0: Great, thanks, Steve. Good morning, everyone. Great to be here this morning. Obviously, with Christmas coming up and our focus builds through the month, and we've got to, with our Christmas box and production and Christmas Day, our focus on our teaching on Sunday mornings is on the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to get your notes out, and you'll see a passage there. We're going to read a passage out of the Old Testament. This is from the book of Isaiah, and it prophesies about the coming of Jesus Christ. And so, Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 9 says these words, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The people back in the times of Israel, they have been praying. they have been praying for centuries for the coming of the Messiah, the one who was going to come and deliver them out of the hands of the oppressors that uh, constantly seemed to come in and, and oppress them as a nation. And so Isaiah, he, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, a child was going to be born. That was not what they expected. They were not looking for a child. And let me just say to you this morning, don't despise small children. Beginnings. Sometimes your answer will be in a small bundle. You were once a small bundle, believe it or not. Sometimes your answer will come in something that has to be nursed. You know, have you ever asked God for something and the answer came totally different than the way that you expected it to come? You know, don't underestimate small packages because this was the first baby that made the milk that he drinks. Amazing. This child was going to be special. In fact, he would be called Almighty God. That is something like really special. to would have that tag on to you. See, from heaven's perspective, the birth of Jesus was spectacular. But from earth's perspective, the birth of Jesus was really mundane. From heaven's perspective, it was awesome to think that the eternal Son of God was going to come down to earth and was going to tabernacle, was going to fellowship, were humans, the people that he had created. From Earth's perspective, from man's perspective, he was born in embarrassing circumstances. There's like so many unanswered questions like, who was his father? And we know, know that, you know, for a child, there has to be a, a mother and a father. And uh, we know who the mother was. The mother was uh, uh, was was Mary. And they supposed that the father was Joseph, uh, but Mary had been conceived out of wedlock. And then they struggled to find somewhere, Mary and Joseph to rest, so that they could have this baby, and we know that he was born in a stable. Don't let people say because of your difficult circumstances that there is no Christ there, the presence of God is not there, because Jesus was born in a stable in embarrassing circumstances. See, the glory of Jesus coming was not in the furniture in which he laid, it was not in the environment in which uh, he he was there. Uh, it wasn't, uh, his glory of his coming wasn't in, in the public recognition or yeah. anything like that. You know, see, the glory has, of his coming, the glory of the presence of God in your life is not in things. Right. It's not in stuff that you may have accumulated. The glory of God's presence is not in some public recognition that you may have achieved. You know, the glory uh, of, of God's presence is, is not in these things. See, God's glory was in the stable to a penniless couple carrying a baby with an unknown father. Jesus was born in a barn strategically, and there was a purpose in it. There is a purpose in your problems. So you may be going through some stuff now, some really difficult stuff in your life, and you're struggling to find an answer. You're struggling to work your way through that, maybe struggling to finance it. You know, it's not that God can't get you out of it. It's not that God can't fix it not that God is, isn't able to supply what you, the resources that you, you need to um, solve your problem. See, if you have a problem and it's not been fixed, then God has a reason, God has a purpose for what you're going through at this time. We know with Jesus that God hid Jesus away for a season. He didn't want him to bring brought out into the forefront too soon, didn't want public recognition too soon uh, for him and so he hid him away and there was a timing that God was working to for the revelation of Jesus. We read in Galatians in chapter four and verse four it says, when the time when the set time had fully come, it says there God sent his son born of a woman, when the set time had fully come, God had set a time. And so when it was fully come, see, God will hide you. God will hide you in a dark place for a while. You know, sometimes, you know, there's, there's the illustration we get, I think it's in nice Isaiah, where, where we're hidden like we're an arrow hidden in a quiver, and sometimes we feel like it's dark in here. You're in a dark place, nothing much seems to be happening. Just seems to be like, ooh, what's God doing? But God in the set time, God in the right time, yeah. God will pull you out He'll put you in, he'll fire you, and you'll hit the mark that he has purposed uh, for your life to hit. So Jesus is born, he's hidden until he reaches about the age of 30 years old, and then he bursts onto the national scene. Jesus, he comes out of the wilderness, he had been baptized to mortar, he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes out now in the Spirit's power, he's traveling around the countryside, and he's teaching in the synagogues, and people were praising him. And then we find that he comes to his hometown. And he comes to his hometown synagogue, place of worship. Let's read that. It's in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 in in your notes. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee, his hometown, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside, and he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We all spoke well of him. We were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they said? Isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus comes back into his hometown there, opens up the scriptures, begins to read. But the only thing that was filling their minds, the only thing that they kept thinking about, was, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the boy that used to run around our town? They, they, might, they couldn't get that out of their mind. Let me just share a few thoughts on that as we unfold this passage a little bit. First thing I want to just say to you is how they saw Jesus limited his power. How they saw Jesus limited his power. See, Jesus appears in his hometown synagogue and he declares to the religious people, this is the time, this is the day, this is the hour. He challenges, he, he, he challenges the way they saw their faith. He challenges uh, their view of God. He, he challenges their routines, their ritualism. He, he challenges their racism. He, he challenges them. See, God is not challenging the world, but he's challenging the religious people. You know, so often as Christians, we want to point the finger at the way uh, that the world is living. Jesus doesn't do that here, uh, but Jesus goes back right to the church right to the synagogue, to the local church, and, and, and he challenges them. In and, and his first ministry, he challenges not the world, but he, he challenges the sinners. He doesn't, challenge the, he doesn't challenge the sinners. I mean, he doesn't challenge the adulterers. He doesn't challenge the world. He challenges the religious people. See, if you're a deliverer and you're going to uh, liberate and oppress people, surely when, when you go, first thing you're going to do is a, de, uh, as a, a deliverer, you're going to go to the worst ones that are oppressed and try and deliver them first. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes to the synagogue. He goes to the religious people. And, 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 and he challenges them because they have taken their religion out of its historical context. They've taken it out of the prophetic, their, their prophetic understanding. And, and he brings it right. He, he brings it into the present moment. See, we love to talk about history. History. You know, we love to talk about destiny, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil. We love to talk about the things that God has done for us. We love to look ahead into the future, the things that God is going to do for us, the plans, the future he's got for us, you know, and yet we can be living in hell right now. See, we have a little saying for those that are preaching uh, here on Sundays that we try to say things on Sunday that will help people on Monday. What that means is that we don't wanna be talking about God, that God is somebody out there. You know, he's amazing. He's out there somewhere. And revival's coming. Revival's coming from the north, south, and the east and west. It's always coming. I've heard it all. You know, it's always coming, but it never comes. You know, it's, it's something that is going to be happening uh, in, in the future one day, but it's irrelevant to our everyday lives right now. God has someone, is someone who has answers for what you are facing right now yeah. in your life. And so Jesus says this, he says, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right here, right now, this moment, this is it. See, the problem was that they did not recognize what God was doing in the present moment of their lives. I wanna ask you, do you know what God is doing in the present moment of your life right now? You know, do you recognize who you're standing in the midst of? Do you recognize when, when, when you come and, and worship God, whose presence is here? Do you recognize who when, when God comes and dwells within you by his Holy Spirit, do you recognize who he is? He's almighty God. He's all-powerful. You know, you stand in his presence, you know, do you have an understanding of that? Or have you just relegated God to some little corner of your life that on Sunday you pull him out and take him to church with you and then shove him back in there again for the rest of the week while you just go about and do, uh, do your own thing, you know? And, or your whole thinking about God is what you, he did for you yesterday or what he's going to do for your future, you know, but you don't recognize what he's doing right now. And if you do recognize what he's doing right now, are you okay with that? Do you accept that? Jesus says this, he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You didn't get in trouble reading the scripture. I'm sure that, that uh, the local church leaders here, all the religious people, they would have been all nodding their heads when Jesus was reading scripture. You know, this is, this is wonderful. See, as long as the historical scriptures don't define your contemporary setting, people are okay with that. You know, they were okay with that. You know, but I don't need a God who is just in the past. I don't need a God who is just in the future. I need a God who is in the right now, that is with me at this moment. So Jesus, he, he closes the book and he says, you know, service is over, class dismissed. And the Bible says they were amazed at the words that came from his lips you know, the way in which he spoke, the manner in which he spoke, they were, they were amazed by it. You know, some translations put there that they marveled at it. You know, but marveling isn't believing. See, you, you can be impressed but, but not changed. You, you can be inspired by, uh, but not moved. You, you can come to church and you can get goosebumps in the worship and, and, and yet you walk out exactly the same. Not changed. Nothing happens. They marveled but they were not moved by the words that Jesus spoke. And the reason that they were not moved is because they kept putting Jesus back into the historical context, you know, of what they understood with their minds. They kept saying in their minds, isn't this Joseph's son? You know, they couldn't put what was happening, what God was doing at that moment, at that time in their lives, because their minds were filled with that. Like, isn't this Joseph's son? and how they saw Jesus limited his power amongst them. Second thing I want to say is that how people see you can limit you. How people see you can limit you. Isn't this Joseph's son? This one sentence stops people from doing great things for God. See, people always want to define you as how they understand you to be. They're always dragging back into how they see you. Every time you, you, you want to step out and and do something, and tempt something great for God, it's like there's this little person, or there's this little voice that's going on in, in your mind, isn't this Joseph's son, they're trying to put you back into, in, into the context of their understanding, you know, I knew them, I knew them what they were like before, I, you know, isn't this Joseph's son, and if we don't answer this question, we'll never do anything great for God, you know, whose child are you, You need to work this out because if you don't work it out, you're going to act just like your dad. Isn't this Joseph's son? Well, the truth of the matter is no. Jesus was not Joseph's son. You know, he was the only begotten son of God. But Joseph was the father that they saw, and so they defined Jesus by what they could see. Isn't this Joseph's son? See, they confined him to the realm of their understanding, and the result was that it limited his power working amongst them. Let me ask you, will you be limited by how people, other people define you? Will you be limited by how other people define you? Will you spend your life living up to how other people see you? What they think about you? Or do you have the courage to break the mold? I have seven brothers. And one of them that's older than me, he went to the same college that I went to and uh he had a reputation of having the most canes in one year i think he had 180 or something and then the second term he uh, the second year he was after one term he was going on to break that record and uh so fortunately he left school then and he went into the navy which was probably the best thing he could have done because he needed some discipline in his life you know and that worked it out anyway but anyway three boys in my class didn't do their homework and and so my teacher was talking to another teacher and he said, guess who they were? He said, bro, I'll be one of them. But I'm being defined by my brother. I didn't like being defined by my brother. I was one of them, but that's another story, you know. But... <laughs> When people ask, is not this Joseph's son? My answer is, no, I'm not who you say I am. How dare you confine me to your, your understanding? He raised me, but, but you know, I'm not trapped to where I came from. I'm not bound by who raised me. I was in it, but I was, I'm not of it. And so Jesus stood up in the synagogue, and he read Isaiah the prophet, and then he said, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They began to banter with him. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. Why can't a prophet do great works in his own town? A prophet is not accepted, or some translations say a prophet is not without honor in his own country. Why? Because they are not seen correctly. They limit the person. They limit that person from operating as God wants them to because they're not seen correctly their view of them. Their view of them, not his view of them. Their view was determined determined their ability to receive from him. And Jesus says, the only thing that's limiting me from doing great things here in my hometown among you guys is how you see me. All they could see was, is not this Joseph's son? That's all they could see. The question is not, is not this Joseph's son, but who do you belong to? Whose son are you? See, this will define whether you go on and do greatness or just ordinariness. How people see you will limit you. Third thing I want to say to you is that how you see God will empower you. How you see God will empower you. Luke chapter 9 and verse 18, and says these words, are said. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked, who do the crowds say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, that's one of the prophets from long ago has come back to life. See in this passage, Jesus here, he asked two very important questions to the people and the first one is, who do the crowds say I am? They had some great ideas, you know, some thought, wow, maybe you're you're Elijah that's come back from the dead, John the Baptist come back from the dead or some other old prophet that's... Died, and they, All they knew, they couldn't put their finger on it. All they knew was that Jesus was different. They had no ideas. See, people have strange ideas. Even today, people have strange ideas as to who Jesus is. We had two Chinese girls stay with us for a year. And um, coming from China, from uh, non-Christian families, no understanding, no background with Christianity at all. And um, their English was limited and my Chinese was nil and uh, so i'm trying to explain to them who jesus is very interesting we didn't get too far right? <laughs> i don't think you know, it was an interesting exercise who do the crowds say that he is then jesus asked the disciples another very important question but what about you he asked who do you say i am and peter answered god messiah peter got it peter understood For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peter understood who Jesus was. For unto us, it's personal. God came down to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, through his son Jesus. He came down, why? Because he wanted to understand you. He wanted to live like you lived. He wanted to live in the confines of human flesh like you have to. He came down to understand you because he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. He came and walked amongst us. See, how you see God will empower you. And then the fourth thing I want to say, musicians like to come, how you see yourself will transform you. How you see yourself will transform you. There's another very important question that we need to answer. Who do you say you are? Who do you say you are? What is your opinion of yourself? How do you see yourself? You can study and train, and that's a good thing to do all those things, but how you see yourself will determine your ministry, not your knowledge. How you see yourself will determine your ministry, And what you really believe about yourself, what you really believe deep down inside about yourself, that is what will drive you. That will be the core thing that will push you and drive you to achieve and succeed or fulfill what God's purposes are in your life. Jesus ministered out of this confidence. In John chapter 14 and verse 10, Jesus said these words, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of works themselves. We we need that kind of confidence. I am a child of God. I am chosen. I am called. I am filled with the Spirit of God. He lives in me. I live in, in Him. The Father lives in me. And I live in the Father. We need to have that kind of confidence that will drive us. Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, he writes in verse 8, he said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Remember Bible college we used to be taught, I think it might have been the Amplified Bible, One, we are God's little masterpiece. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared in advance for us to do. See, we don't have to strive. We don't have to protect our position. We don't have to live in this world like dog eat dog and push other people down so that we can can achieve. It is through the grace of God that we have anything at all to offer uh, in this life. God has prepared in advance works, good works for us to do. God has a plan, God has a purpose for each of our lives that He determined before we we're even born that He has set before us to do. If we'll only walk in the confidence of knowing who we are in Christ. You'll minister out of what you perceive that you are. You'll relate to people out of that as well. It'll affect every area of your life. And if you've got a little golf ball, inside a golf ball, there's a hard inner core so that when you hit it, and I know nothing about golf. I haven't got patience for golf chasing a silly little ball around a paddock. just I find it annoying. But, um, you know, it's got this little the dark, this, this solid inner core. So that when you hit it, it determines the length that you're able to drive. See, what you have in your inner core, what you believe in your inner core, that will determine how far you're able to, God is able to take you and use you for His glory and for His purposes, for His name. It's a key to a successful ministry. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. You know, take the promises of God and, and make them your own. They will become a driving force in your life. You know, the Bible said, as many as received Him, then He gave the power to become children of God you're a child of god this morning you just stand and rise and let's all stand show let's just sing that together i'm a child of god i am chosen not forsaken i am who you say I-